0: Uh, good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're joining us. We're in a series, meaning we take a topic, and we talk about it for several weeks. We started a couple weeks ago, and if you'd like to catch up, you can on uh, different platforms. But the the series is called God is blank. <laughs> and today, we are going to fill that line in with God is love. So if I was to tell you to ask you to tell me something about God, what would you say? Where would you get your information? Well, obviously we'd get it from the Bible, but hopefully from your experience also. But way even back in preschool, one of the first things we teach people, little toddlers, is God is love, because that's something they can understand. Hopefully they have uh, loving parents. And so your parents love you, God loves you, and they can connect with that. So that's our topic for today. It seems like it'd be an easy topic. The whole Bible's about God's redeeming love for us, but to whittle it down to 30 minutes is a little more difficult. <laughs> so God is love. It's going to be basically a study of a part of the Bible called 1 John, the fourth chapter. And uh, it's one of my favorite, well, one of my favorite verses will come up in this passage. So we're just going to kind of go through it and pick out some highlights and try and understand what it means to say that God is love. So beginning in, in verse 7 of uh, 1 John 4, if you'd like to read some other translation you have on your phone or you have a Bible with you, that's fine. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. So it's nice to know where a good thing comes from, right? Or the source. If you want to find out the source of love, we... We know where it is. God is the source of love. Anyone who loves is a child of God. So, if God's a source of love and you love, then you are a child of God. And you know God. And we talked about this. To know anybody's character, you have to know something about them. Right? Anyway, um, if I was to say, uh, if somebody said to you, maybe before you ever came here, um, they asked you, do you know Pastor Allen? You say, yeah, yeah, he's the guy about 5'8", 250 pounds. And then you came here, you would say, no, that's not Pastor Allen, right? Either they had it wrong, or I'm not, I'm a, I'm not who I am, right? Now, if they said Pastor Allen's tall, dark, and handsome, you would say, ah, that's him. Well, my wife would say that anyway. Um, but you have to know, not just intellectually know, I mean, we all know who the president of the United States is. Probably nobody here knows the president, right? Or sports figure, whatever. So John goes on. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So if God's a source of love and I'm loving, then I have a connection with God. If I'm not a loving person, it kind of indicates that I do not have this connection with God. Now, God is love, but we can't say we are love, can we? Hopefully, we are sometime, but we can't say we are the epitome of love. This word, the Greek word that we're going to look at, because the Greeks had multiple words for love, and so the one that we're going to look at, agape or agapeo, appears over 200 times in the New Testament. So this is not an insignificant topic, but a major topic. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, Love is a choice. Maybe you've heard that before. But why is it a choice? Without choice it has no value. I think I shared this a couple of weeks ago. If I was the only man in the world and my wife loved me, she didn't have many options, did she? But the fact that there's billions of men in the world and she chose to love me makes that a huge value, right? So God gives all of us a choice. Now Often I like to give you nice short definitions. This morning I'm going to give you the longest definition of agape love that I I found because it's so well. It starts off with the word deep. God's love is so deep; it's hard to explain. It takes a lot of words. So, agape is the deep, not shallow, and constant. Our love can come and go. God's love doesn't. It's constant and interest of a perfect being. We would say God, right? So, it shows God's interest in us towards entirely unworthy objects. Now, it's kind of hard to admit, but you and I are completely unworthy of God's love, simply put. And we'll t- say a, say a few minute, words about it in a few minutes. Producing. All right, this God, love, produces what? And fosters a reverential love in them, meaning us, towards the giver, God. So when you're a recipient of awesome love, it has a reverential response. And a practical love toward those who are partakers of the same. So that means each other. Because God loves us that way, We love each other. And then I really love the last part. And a desire to help others seek the giver. Let other people know. Tell other people about how much God loves them. Dwight L. Moody was a great preacher in the past. He said it this way. If I would only make people really believe that God loves them, if I could convince you of how much God loves you, there'd be a rush we would see to the kingdom of God. (laughs) <laughs> Excuse me, I've been sick this week. Apologize for coughing. So, there would be a rush. Um, this type of love is almost irresistible. And we all desire to hear someone say, I love you, don't we? In fact, uh, my wife and I, we try and go to bed together at the same time. And if we go to bed at the same time, the light's on my side, and I turn the light off, and the first thing we say to each other after we turn the light off, one of us says, I love you, and the other says, I love you too. It reminds me of the old joke. This guy wouldn't say he loved his wife. She got upset. He said, why don't you tell me you lo- don't that you love me? And he said, well, I told you when I married you, and if anything changes, I'll let you know. Uh, uh, now, we need to hear it, don't we? So, God is love. Now, we're going to look at, as John describes it, one of Jesus' disciples, some facets or aspects aspect of God's love, what it looks like. So, first, God's love is sacrificial. This type of love is sacrificial. The text says it this way, God showed how much he loved us. Now, God didn't just tell us he loves us. He Showed He He loved us. Easy to say, tell somebody you love them, right? You need to show it. Well, God showed it. How did He show us? By sending His one and only Son into the world that we might have eternal life through Him. That's how much God loves us. That's how He showed it to us. This is real love. This is not some fake love or just talk. This is real love. And not that we love God. Hopefully you do but we couldn't love God unless he loved us first. But that he loved us and sent us on his son to sacrifice to take away our sins. So that's where love was created or started, and that's where we receive it and then are able to give it. So God's love is not a response, you know, I love my wife because she loves me. And she loves me because I love her, right? Um, if there was no response... I would get to the place where I would stop giving that love, right? Because it's not being returned. God's love's not that way. It's not a response to us. In fact, he can't do anything else. And this type of love comes with a cost. And any of you that love anybody know that love comes with a cost, right? Weird statistic I found out recently was that the first time in the history of the United States, majority of people are not married. I know some of them live together. but So that means 50% of the people have decided not to marry somebody. And I was trying to think of what could be the reason for that. Because marriage comes with sacrifice, right? Now, most of us that are happily married would say, yeah, but it's way worth it. But somebody that's not married my think, I don't think it's worth it. <coughs> but I have to give up to what I've received. But God's love is sacrificial. He gave up his son not knowing what, if he would receive. Why did he do that? To fix a mess that you and I all are in that we can't fix ourselves. We have sinned, separated from God. The penalty for that is eternal separation from God. And I can't do anything to fix it. You can't do anything to fix it. So God says, so I'll fix it. I'll send, I love you so much. I'm going to send my son to die for you. If you only see that gift, you'll have life, an eternal life. So I put on your outline, a simple statement. You can tell how much somebody loves you by how much they are willing to sacrifice for you. And parents, a lot of us have been parents or are parents. Parenting is a huge sacrifice, isn't it? Time, energy, money, uh, you know, your will, you know, Raising your kids, you basically can't do what you want to do. But that's love. So the question is, are you willing to make the sacrifice? Because it requires sacrifice. Secondly, God's love is life-changing. The fact that my wife loves me has changed me. <coughs> Excuse me. So, reading a text. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, how much? Send his only son to suffer and die, right? We surely ought to love each other, so it should impact us, right? Change us. No one has ever seen God, but they did see Jesus. So they did see. John spent time with Jesus, right? Right? If we want to know what God is like, we can look at Jesus, but none of us have seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. So I can't see God, but I can see the aspect of God in you. But if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression, some translations even say perfection, in us. So love has to have a recipient. Love has to and hopefully something that um, returns it. And God has given us His Spirit as proof. So another proof we have (coughs) is God's Spirit. Not only the fact that Jesus died for us, but He gave us His Holy Spirit. And we live in Him, and He lives in us. Now, the interesting thing about about love is it comes with expectations, doesn't it? My wife says she loves me. That comes with some expectations. I'd say I love her. It comes with expectations. When you tell your kids you love them, it comes with expectations. The interesting thing is God loves us without expectation. He desires a relationship with us. And he desires for us to love him back. But we'll talk about this Uh, a little bit more in a few minutes no expectation now the Holy Spirit's a huge thing because you and I aren't naturally loving but through the Holy Spirit God gives us the want to those of you that are married you want to love your spouse I want to love my spouse why do I want to love my spouse because the Holy Spirit gives me that want to On your outline. So love always leads to action. If I love someone, I'm going to act. Came across the story of Elida. 78 years old. She lives in Rotterdam. And she's smoked for over 50 years of her life. Cigarettes, pipe, cigars. And of course, like a lot of people have smoked, Most people think it's bad for themselves, so they try and stop. She couldn't stop over 50 years, except for recently. You know what happened? Elida, who's 78 years old, met a guy named Leo, who's 79 years old, and he proposed to her with one caveat. I will not marry you till you stop smoking. So Elida stopped smoking. She says it this way. What my willpower couldn't do, love did. It acts. It changes us. God's love also does something else. It's also unfailing. Our love can fail. God's love never fails. In fact, as I was studying this week, I looked up all those references in the Bible. God's love is the word that came up most was unfailing. Reading for the text, 1 John 4. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. All all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. It's a connection, right? We know how much God loves us. That's without debate. And we have put our trust in his love. We talked about that last week. You can only trust something that doesn't fail you. And if it fails you, most people, they, go, they trust their car is going to work when they turn it on, right? 99% of the time it does. Recently, I had a bad starter in my car. And I would go out and sometimes it would start <laughs> and sometimes it wouldn't. God's love never fails, so we can trust Him. One of the frustrating things I hear from young people, mostly, is that I fell in love. And I've done weddings, and this couple's so in love, and then five years later, ten years later, they, they divorce. They, if you fall into love, guess what else you can do? You can fall out of it, right? Like you, you have no no power over you, you have no choice. No, no, you have a choice. And God's love never fails, so we have the choice to trust Him. So of all those references to God's love is unfailing, I put one on your outline. <clears throat> and This comes from John also, first chapter of the Gospel. The law was given through Moses, you know, do's and don'ts, right? We know. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness, or trustworthiness, right, comes through Jesus Christ. But again, trust only comes through knowledge. I don't trust somebody I don't know, neither do you. So it's critical that you and I know God so we can trust him. Next, God's love matures us. The way John writes it's like this. God is love said that already. All who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. There's that connection. And as we live in God, this connection, we have continue in this connection. Our love grows more perfect. Anybody here have perfect love? No, my love's not perfect. But it should be more perfect. I should love my life, wife a lot more perfectly now than I did 40-plus years ago. God's love matures us. It grows. I become more loving. I'm able to love uh, more easily. I'm more able to love more people that are unloving. So then he goes on. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. So if I have that relationship with God, God loved me and I returned that love to him. I don't need to fear judgment. I don't need to fear in the time. I have my place guaranteed for me in heaven. Now, this type of love doesn't make sense, does it? It's illogical. It's supernatural, if you will. I would mention about being more like Jesus, (laughs) the predominant Characteristic of Jesus and that God is love that I'm going to be more loving. Interesting concept here. Love does not define God. You can, we can make a list of qualities of love and say, okay, then God needs to do those things. No, no, no. Where we get the definition of love is God. God is love. So whatever God is or does, that defines love. We can't say we define love. Certainly can we couple more and then we'll be finished. God's love is comforting. Isn't it comforting to know somebody loves you? God loves you perfectly. This is one of my favorite verses of Scripture, 1 John 4, 18. Such love has no fear. Now, I would assume everybody's pretty much like me, Fear is a big deal in your life and mine. We talked about one aspect last week. Worry is fear, isn't it? So we're anxious about things. We're stressed about things. We f- uh, worry. Uh, it's all fear. So anytime I start to fret or worry or have fear, I quote this first to myself. Perfect love expels all fear. God loves me Perfectly, i.e., I had no reason to fear. Does it work all the time? No. (laughs) But it works a lot of the time. So, perfect love, there's no reason to fear perfect love, right? We read the definition. It's, you know, wanting what's best for us. So, don't need to fear that. if we are afraid possibly because we fear of punishment, but we just said we don't don't need to worry about that. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. I don't fear my wife at all. And she doesn't even love me perfectly. But we've been together so long, I have no reason to fear her, right? So we have no reason to fear God if you have that relationship with Him. Another thing, if God's love is perfect, it can't be improved, right? It can't be changed. We say it this way often. God's never going to love you any more than He does right now, no matter, you know, if you give all your money away and, and help the poor and, and, or whatever you do. God's not going to love you anymore. And if you go off on this uh, sinning spree, God's not going to lo- love you any less because it's perfect. And it means he gives us what is best. A passage out of Romans chapter 8. Paul is talking about aspects of God's love. And he says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? You can go back and read it for yourself, what he's talking about. But if God is for us, notice what he says. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? We mentioned God's all-powerful, right? So if if I have all power on my side... Who can stand up against it? And again, the reason we know so is because he did not spare even his own son. Gave him up for us all. The most precious thing he has is his son. He gave that son up because he loves you and I. So if he didn't hold back his most precious thing, won't he also give us everything else? Now, God does withhold things from us. So if this be true, anything he withholds from us is what? That's what's best for us. Right? My daughter went and looked at a, was going to look at a car on Friday. Um, she needs, needs a new car, and a different car, and a uh, person sold it before she got to see it. And my wife responds, Well, God's got a better car for her. When God withholds something from you, he has something better. Brings up the issue, though, of discipline. Discipline. God disciplines us. And when God disciplines us, do you feel unloved? You shouldn't. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. Those of you who are parents, do your kids feel unloved when you discipline them? Hopefully not. He says, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke? So This would be encouraging to us as children. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines who? who does he discipline? Those he loves. This is proof or evidence the fact that God loves. I don't know about you. I don't discipline other people's kids. Of course, my kids are grown now. But my kids were at home, I disciplined them. Why did I discipline them? Because I loved them and wanted what was best for them and wanted to protect them. I didn't let them do whatever. I wasn't what was best for them. I told this story in the first sermon. Uh, When Josh and Mike, our two oldest ones, were small, they had these big wheel things. And uh, our first house, we had a gravel driveway. But in this county, you have to have a paved part out near the end that connects to the road. Well, where's the best place to drive one of those big wheels? In the gravel or on the pavement? On the pavement. But you only had this little 15 by 10 foot area. So I don't think Josh, Joshua in here, I don't know if you ever rode out on the road. I don't think you did. I don't remember that. But Micah, many of you know Micah, our son. It wasn't long before Micah took off onto that road. And consequently, what did we do? So, oh, that was fine. We don't want to limit your, your freedom. No, he got discipline. Why? Because we loved him. We wanted to protect him. Let me ask you a simple question. Do we love bad things? Do we love things that are bad for us? Sure we do. Do we eat foods that aren't good for us? Do we eat too much food? We do. I do. I don't look like I do, but I do. Yes, my wife. <laughs> try not to eat too many bad things, but I eat more than I should. <clears throat> so, and then lastly and probably the most difficult for us is God's love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. John puts it this way. We love each other because he first loved us. We already told you this. Well, we're going to read the verse, but he loved us first while we were yet unworthy. Talked about that word. No strings attached. Well, I'll love you if you love me back. So why is it so hard for us to believe? Because we don't operate that way, do we? But God does. Unconditional means unconditional. He doesn't say, I love you if. There's nothing after the if. But how can we prove that he loves us as wicked sinners? Paul's going to write this in Romans chapter 5. Bring that slide up, please. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, while we had no interest in God, when we were wicked and self-centered and had no desire for anything of God. In that state, God loved me and God loves. Brings up another question then. What about God's anger? We touched on this a week or so ago. Can you love coincide with anger? Parents, can it? Absolutely. You get mad at your kids sometimes, right? Doesn't mean you don't love them anymore. Um, John, writing, said this. "And Anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who does not obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. We mentioned on week one, I believe it was, God is just. So God's justice says, sin requires death. God's love says, okay, I don't want you to die, so I will send my only son to die you. Justice is uh, supplied and love is applied to us. We mentioned this too a while back. God doesn't send anybody to hell. (laughs) He honors people's wishes. If you don't wish to be in relationship with God, then God's not going to force you to be in relationship with Him. And that's what heaven would be. He honors our wishes. So, finish up. Why does God love me? Why does God love me? I can't make him love me. Why? Because he already loves me unconditionally. Never love me any more than he does right now. Never love me any less. So since this unconditional love is so difficult for us to comprehend, I want you to think about it some more after you leave. Do you believe God loves you unconditionally? Maybe not even believe it. No, that's not. (coughs) Some of us have this concept when I do something bad, God stops loving me until I change or I apologize for it. No. So if you don't believe in it, why not? And what steps can you take to fully accept His unconditional love for you? Let me pray with you. Uh, Father God, I, I thank you. You give me at least enough voice to, to share your word this morning. Such a critical word that you love us and it's unconditional, as hard as it is for us to comprehend. And God, those listening to my voice, I'm sure there's some that, that don't believe it. They've done something too bad or too long or, or what's some other reason? So we pray today. They would just lay that down, as your word says. If God didn't spare His greatest—not possession, but His greatest love, His Son—what great, what, what other proof do we need that He loves us, just as we are? So you don't need to change. You don't need to stop doing this or that. Just come. God's love will change you. And we only can know what we experience of you, God. And you are a perfect heavenly father. We try and relate you to our fathers. That's, we get in trouble. Because none of us have perfect fathers. So help us understand and see you as perfect love. Help us through your spirit to believe what your word says about you. It'll change us. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.